0: for the blind. He's everything I was hoping to find. In the midst of confusion and sorrow and pain, he gives peace that this world can't take precious Jesus means so much to me. There's no valley so deep that he can't carry me through. He's a friend who is faithful and true.
1: Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Good to see each and every one of you. If you are a guest with us this morning, we want you to know how happy we are that you are here worshiping with us. And there's only one thing that we ask of you, uh, if you would like, and that's just to let us know who you are and how we can best serve you. There's a tab in the pew that's in front of you. If you'd fill it out and put it in the offering plate as it comes by, it's the only offering we ask of our guests there's a way that we can pray for you if there's questions that you have about the church if there's a way that we can serve you in any way we would love to be able to do that in any way possible just a couple of announcements that i want to highlight to you one uh this coming wednesday brother jim amick is going to be leading starting off in a new study uh, he's actually cooking for those who show up at 5:45, and then the study will begin at 6:30 over in the fellowship hall so i want to encourage you to check that out Also, a little bit later on this morning, uh, we're going to be hearing about the Journey Home, uh, which is a transition home that's uh, being built in our community, and if you are wanting to come alongside and support that ministry, uh, then you can do so by taking the offering envelope in your pew and just writing Journey Home on the front, uh, and all of anything that you put there uh, will go directly to help support the Journey Home they have a, a matching offer. Uh, you'll get me straight. Is it 150000 There's $150,000 that has been offered if they can raise another 150000 And so far, I, I don't want to steal too much of your Thunder, but they've raised over a million dollars, but they need $2 000, 000 to finish the project. So I uh, want to encourage you to support that ministry. Uh, they've been here before. It's going to be great to, to hear uh, the update about how that's going. And then uh, if you are on the leadership council, just a reminder, we'll be meeting right after our worship service today upstairs. Uh, At this time, I'm going to ask Brother John Carroll to come and lead us in a word of prayer.
2: Father, we just thank you so much for the privilege that we have of coming into your house today to worship you, Lord, and we just realize that a lot of people around the world don't have that privilege, and we just thank you so much for that. Father, the uh, storms we've been having the last several days are just a reminder to us of the storms we have in our lives, Lord, and we just uh, thank you for always being there. There's a lot of uncertainties. In our lives in the world and lord we just know the one thing that is not uncertain is you and your love for us and we just thank you so much for that lord we ask that you and pray that you prepare our hearts as we prepare to worship you in song in reading your word and listening to richard's message we just ask that you be with us during this time we love you lord we thank you and all these things we pray in your son's name. Amen.
3: Good morning. Good morning. Glad you're all here in the rain. We came for a time of praise, or we're at the time of our service where it's a time for praise. We're going to sing two songs. In between the two songs, we'll have a short time of welcoming each other and saying good morning if you haven't had a chance to. And um, then we'll go into the second song. I just want to remind the children, there is no children's worship today. So you'll be in here with us, and we're looking forward to having you here. Now if you'll turn with me to page 66 and stand when you find it, please.
1: While well, Miss Debbie's on her way up, just want to encourage y'all once again uh, to, if you if you aren't familiar with the journey home, to, to take a lesson about the exciting work uh, that the Lord is doing. Uh, we're going through the book of James over several weeks, and if there's one thing that James teaches us, is that faith is about how we live. It's about what we do. And if we want to show our love for the Lord, how does the scripture say that we do that? By welcoming those who do not have a home, by giving something to drink to those who are thirsty, by inviting the stranger in. And that's what this ministry is about. It's sharing the practical love of Christ to those who need it most. So y'all welcome Miss Debbie as she comes and shares.
3: Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. And thank you, choir. It's great to come to the throne of the Lord together. Um, I'm excited to share with you about the Journey Home. As Pastor Richard said, my name is Debbie Reed. My husband, Ed, is up in the sound booth, and he'll be the ones uh, moving the slides. Uh, Some of you are familiar with with us. We have been here before. For some of you, this will be new information, so try to give you a little bit of information and then also some updates. Uh, This is a vision from the Lord. Uh, The Journey Home is his idea, and he has done amazing things to get us to the point that we're at now, and I'm excited to share some of those with you. Um, The Journey Home, you, (coughs) excuse me, you (coughs) all have an insert in your bulletin, and it has our mission, our vision, it has some things that are upcoming, and also some contact information, just to let you know you have that. Um, To tell you a little bit about the Journey Home, it's a Christ-centered transition home that is being built in the town of Mineral, for louisa county residents that need a temporary place to live a place for them to come where they can rebuild their lives where they're given hope and help to move on and become independent members of our community Uh, it's it's a unique place and that we're going to be working with people for twelve to eighteen months to help them with many different aspects of their life Um, we're all broken so we're coming alongside of the people at the home as other people that are broken, and we want to give them the healing and the hope that only Jesus can bring to their lives. So our goal is that they do come to know him. We are partnering with churches and organizations throughout our community uh, to make this happen. Uh, We have some uh, just really exciting news to tell you that we will be breaking ground the first of August, and it's been a long time for that coming, and we're very excited about it. Um, this home will be a place for our neighbors to, to really experience the hands and feet of Jesus and to come to know him. Uh, when we first started this project, we understood that there were 66 kids in our school district that were homeless. That means they were living in a family car or a tent uh, or maybe an aunt's porch. Uh, that number is now up to 80. Uh, We've also had contact from the social workers over and over again and from the school district and different people in our community um, with examples of people that are indeed homeless or eminently homeless and really need a place to to stay. So what better place to stay than a place that's going to teach people about Jesus? What we are going to do is, while they are with us, there's many ways that you can be involved. We invite you to seek what God might have you do. For some of you, it will be prayer, which is really the most important thing of all. Uh, For others, you may have resources to be able to give financially to help us. Um, For others, it may be um, volunteering your time. Some of the things that we are going to be doing Um, we're going to need help with and and we'll show you some of those volunteer things in a minute. Uh, The home is going to be built in the town of Mineral. Uh, We have purchased a 1.7 acre parcel of land kind of near the ball field for those of you that are familiar with Mineral and uh, the next slide will show you what the home is going to look like. Uh, We will be able to house uh, six families uh, and there's a, another room for an individual, and then we'll have a couple living there that will kind of oversee things. So that's what the building's going to look like. It's been several years getting to this point, point. we're very excited. And as I said, we're really excited about the groundbreaking coming up. Um, the, the ways that uh, you can be involved, are some of the things that we're going to be doing uh, while people are with us. We're going to be doing ongoing Bible studies, after-school tutoring, uh, lots of resources are going to be needed, budgeting, helping them with meal preparation. The, the people that live at the home will be preparing the meals, cooking up, and working together uh, for the good of the community, so everyone will be working. Uh, we're also going to have something called the Next Step Program. When people l- are getting ready to leave the Journey Home, some of them at that point may qualify for Habitat for Humanity Home. Others. May be ready to move into um, one of the journey homes. We're going to have uh, small next step homes that they can move into, and we'll keep a relationship with them as they become independent and, excuse me, and kind of move out into our community. Uh, we needed to raise about two million. That included the 1.7 million for the building, furnishings, other things that we need. Um, Recently, as Pastor Richard mentioned, we just got a $150,000 grant, which is a matching grant. It's a a challenge. So we ask you to join us, prayerfully considering if you might be able to join us in that. Um, It's it's been exciting to see God provide everything that we have needed up to this point. Everything that um, he has done has been amazing. And Louisa Baptist and people from your church have been very involved in the process from the beginning. It's wonderful to see the body of Christ in Louisa County coming together. And I think that's one of the things God's doing beyond the people we're gonna help. He's giving us an opportunity to be the body of Christ and be a light in our community as we all work together. Uh, Ways that you can be involved, as I talked about prayer, um, we have ongoing meetings which are are listed um, on this piece of paper. Uh, we're looking for help with lots of different aspects, and we do have a meeting Thursday night if anybody wants to come and find out and for more, more information about that. We'll be having a yard sale here um, coming up in October on the 5th and 6th, so we ask that you could join us there as well. Um, Ed and I will be at a table out in the lobby that has information uh, afterwards if you have any questions, we'd be happy to answer them. We, we just are amazed at what God has done, and we just thank him, and all the glory goes to him for the amazing things he's doing. Thank you for your time.
2: Lord Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for this opportunity to come together with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We thank you for the opportunity of having the greatest textbook that was ever written. We thank you for this time that when we can not only minister in this area, but minister around the world. Thank you for the, the our jobs and our opportunities, and we need to bring back to you a portion that we can Move forward in every direction. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.
1: said? Amen. Amen. We encourage you to take your copy of God's Word, turn over to the book of James. James chapter 4, as we continue in our series this morning talking about a vibrant faith. Now last week we talked about how Living at peace with others is critically important in having a a faith that is mature and growing and healthy. And this morning, James is kind of following up on that idea and basically telling us that so many times the the difficulties that we have with others, the source of the problems, the disagreements, the arguments, as, as James calls them, the wars between us, are seen externally, but they are actually an issue of the heart, that the source of the the struggles, many of the struggles that we face, are these battles that rage within. On the front of your bulletin, you see this picture of two people playing tug-of-war with each other, and I can certainly remember my fair share of days trying to play tug of war. Of course, you know, on my end, I was always the one getting dragged towards the line. But if you've ever played tug of war, you've had that feeling of, you know, I'm pulling with all of my might. I'm digging in, and yet I can feel my feet sliding out underneath me. I feel like I'm being pulled in the wrong direction, and that it's out of our control. And so many times what we find is that These attitudes of our heart can grip us and pull our life in a direction in a way that we don't want it to go. But if we're going to make progress in maturity, in living at peace with others, in exemplifying the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our life, these are battlefields of the heart in which we must fight. And these are battlefields in which more often than not, it's important that we win. So this morning, we're going to be looking at James chapter 4, verse 1 through 12, and I would encourage you to stand with me as we read together. James chapter 4, starting in verse 1. What is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions that rage war within you? You desire, and you don't have, You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your own pleasure. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? So whoever wants to be the friend of the world becomes the enemy of God, or do you think It's without reason that the scriptures say the spirit he made to dwell in us envies intensely. But he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, rest, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself, therefore, before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Don't criticize one another, brothers and sisters. Anyone who defames or judges a fellow believer defames and judges the law. If you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy But who are you to judge your neighbor? Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you this morning asking that you would humble our hearts, that you'd make them open to hearing the truth that we need to hear. Lord, I pray that every day as we struggle with the spirit of the flesh within us, Lord, we pray that our hearts would be filled with you. Lord, in your strength, we pray that we would see victory in our lives and see a life changed as you do your work within us. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. James says, what is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come... From your passions that wage war within you. What James is telling us is the same thing that Paul has echoed in many of his letters, talking about this this inner conflict that all of us experience. Wouldn't it be nice if the day that we prayed to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, suddenly the old nature, the old desires were completely gone and done away with, and all we had was the Holy Spirit in our life? But the truth is, is that from the moment that we are saved until the moment that he calls us home, God is doing a work within us. And part of that work is helping us to battle these desires from within. And here James is identifying three key desires, ones that if we're not careful can take a hold of your heart, can take a hold of your life and drag you in the wrong direction. First of all, James is telling us that we are fighting a war against selfishness. And we are fighting a war against selfishness. What does he say? You desire and you don't have. You ask with the wrong motives so that you may spend it on your own pleasures. If you're like me, once we got married, me and my wife kind of divided up certain household responsibilities that tend to fall on me or fall on her most of the time. And one of the responsibilities that I've had as long as we've been married is to do the grocery shopping. Now, for those of you who are responsible for doing that in your household, you know just about the worst thing that you can do when you go grocery shopping is to go hungry. Hungry. You walk into Walmart for two items, right? two items and you're going through and suddenly you're walking through the bakery and there's the cinnamon rolls and the coffee cake and the blueberry muffins and you want it all and you keep going and you 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 go by the deli and you see all all that fresh stuff that they've made and you're smelling it and you're like ooh, i want some of that and i want some of that and next thing you know you've got a cart like heap and pile and you went in for two items and you go out spending two hundred dollars but you know, there's only one thing that's worse than going to the grocery store hungry. It's going to the grocery store with your kids when they are hungry. <laughs> you go by the candy aisle, and you can't, you can't help but go by it, and they zero in on something that you don't want to give them, and suddenly it is like the worst day of their life. And there's this big old meltdown, and if you're not careful, you have this whole big Cart full of groceries, and you end up having to leave the whole cart there and just run to McDonald's to get them something to eat because buying them that $5 Happy Meal just saved you $200 in groceries. But ultimately, selfishness is first and foremost about the need to have. That everywhere we look, no matter how much we have, no matter how much we are blessed, we always want something more this craving in our heart that cannot be satisfied just like going into the grocery store you think that taking that thing of cinnamon rolls and stick it in your cart is going to satisfy that craving that you have only to find that the blueberry muffins are next only to find that it just keeps getting more and more and more and if there is a sickness that our nation has come under it is the sickness of selfishness and greed why do i say that more than any other nation in the world we have been blessed more than not just in the world but of all time americans have been blessed americans even the poorest of us are among the richest of the world and yet we can't live within our means that our desire for more and more and more has created a scenario where the average, average household is $137,000 in debt with only a median income of $59,000. That ultimately, our nation is driven by greed and selfishness. And it's not just about desire to have things, a desire to have position, a desire to have even people. We look and turn on the television and we see stories of Hollywood actors cheating on their model girlfriends and we ask, what is wrong with you? You've got one of the most beautiful wives in all the world and that's not enough for you? And because the reality is, is that When your heart is full of selfishness, when your entire life is centered around you and your desires, nothing is ever enough. And it feeds and feeds and feeds on itself. But that hunger is never satisfied. Selfishness is about the need to have, but it's also the need to be the focus. That ultimately we end up having to be the center of our world. That it's not enough just to have needs and have desires, but when they come in conflict with somebody else, then what we find is that we always revert back to what is it that I want. Being a pastor for 10 years, I can tell you the factor that reveals to me more than any other the maturity of members of our congregation, is the response of that individual the very first time I have to, for whatever reason, tell them no to something. Because ultimately, selfishness is about the refusal to be told no. Have you ever been around somebody, maybe a family member, a co-worker, a neighbor, who they're absolutely fantastic people to work with all the time until you tell them no one time, and then suddenly it's like the bear with the claws come out. I think we've all been there at least once or twice, right? If we were going to be completely honest. But ultimately, selfishness is about saying, I have to have it my way, I have to have it my way all the time, and I have to have it right now. And that ultimately, as believers... One of the signs of maturity, one of the signs that the Holy Spirit is living and strong within us, is that we recognize that this world, that the church, that our life is more than just about us. That ultimately the reason why we exist, the reason why we are here, is to give glory and honor to God. That our life should be focused and centered around Him, His will, and His purpose. And ultimately, what we want and we need, what we need, comes secondary. We are at war with an attitude of selfishness. Secondly, James tells us we're at war in our hearts with an attitude of pride. Look with me again in verse six through ten. But he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God, resist the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Last week, I told you about one of the most exciting climactic hikes that I had ever been on when I climbed Half Dome at Yosemite, Yosemite National Park. This morning, I'm going to tell you about one of the most anticlimactic hikes I ever went on. We were camping in the Smoky Mountains, and the day before, I had gone and hiked a trail called Thunderhead. It is the highest point in the park. It was a 20-mile hike. And so by the time I got back, my father was absolutely exhausted. He was completely sore, barely could move, but I was a teenager. I was playing soccer. I was on the swim team. The day after a 20-mile hike, I was jumping up, ready to go hike another Thunderhead, but I couldn't go on some big thing by myself, and I was a little bit stir-crazy. So I went to my mother, and I said, Hey, look. They've got this little laurel falls hike it's one mile can you just take us over there we'll hike up it come right back down no big deal at least we have something to do and she said sure why not and so we go over there and by the time i'm halfway up this one mile paved trail to this dinky little waterfall i'm thinking to myself man this is lame i just hiked a 20 mile hike the day before and i'm hiking up a paved one mile trail we get up to the top i'm there with my brother and we meet this couple who is camping in the same campground that we're in and and we get to talking with them and they're like hey by the way because they could tell we were a little bit bored looking for something to do there's a trail right across the street of the entrance of this hike and and that trail will take you back to your campsite it's only three miles And so we go down and we find my mom and say, hey, there's the trail right there. It takes us back to the campsite three miles. Why don't you just meet us on the other end and we'll meet you back at the campsite. She said, sure, why not? My brother and I go off on this trail, no map, no idea where we're going. We just assume this is gonna take us back in three miles. So we start walking and walking and walking and we get to a fork in the road. And we're thinking to ourselves, there's not supposed to be a fork in the road. But we go right, and we keep walking and walking. And every now and then, we hear somebody yelling in the woods. And I turn to my brother, and I'm like, Gene, who is that idiot yelling in the woods? Little did I know. We keep walking and walking, and finally, we get to another fork in the road. But this time, it is not quite sure where we're supposed to go. I am absolutely convinced we're supposed to go left. My brother is absolutely convinced we're supposed to go right. Now, I can tell you where my mind was in that moment. I'm the older brother, I know better. We're going to go my way. I am going to make this decision. And I'm sitting there and I'm about to make him go left. When what do you know? My dad walks up. That idiot yelling in the woods. Because when my mother went back to the campsite, she told my dad what was going on. He pulls out the map. He realizes that this three-mile trail was only one leg of a 10-mile trail, and if we took the wrong way to go, we end up on the wrong side of the park. And what do you know? There's my dad, walking up as we're arguing. He's got the map, and we were supposed to go right. And I take a step back, and I'm thinking to myself, man, I almost got us completely lost in the middle of the woods with no map and no idea how to get back. And the truth is, is that whether you're talking about what way to hike in the woods or anything else in our life, pride is about the need to be right. It's about the need to be in control, that ultimately all of us at some point in our life struggle with this idea that we're not actually in control of everything in our life. As Americans, we like this idea of saying, you know, if you just believe, if you just dream big, if you just work hard, then you can set your own destiny. And all it takes is for you to live through one natural disaster to realize how little in control of life you actually are. Or one diagnosis of you or a family member. One time for you go to work and realize that you're getting laid off, to realize how little control we really have. That control is nothing but an illusion. But ultimately, pride is about us not being willing to admit that we're ever wrong, that we have fault, that we need grace. And, and what is it that James is telling us? That that God wants to, to freely give us his grace. He wants us to live in his grace, but the first step to receiving and living in the grace of God is admitting that we need it, that we can't live in the grace of God if we're not willing to accept it, if we're not willing to come before the throne humbled and say, God, I need you. And in the midst of our wealth and the midst of our prosperity and the midst of our idealism of creating a perfect society and creating a stable home where we have a nice house with a white picket fence and a nice car and a full retirement fund, so many of us have forgotten how much we need God. And it is that spirit of pride in our hearts that ultimately blinds us to the ultimate need that we have in this life. Because you can throw away all of the cars and all of the houses and all of the careers in the world. Ultimately, if you don't have a relationship and the forgiveness of God, you have nothing. And it is our pride that keeps us from coming to him and seeing our true need. That ultimately sometimes we go left simply because we want to be the ones to say where we're going we are in a war against selfishness a war against pride and finally in a war against judgment look with me in verses 11 and 12 don't criticize one another brothers and sisters anyone who defames or judges a fellow believer defames and judges the law if you judge the law You're not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Did you know in the last two years, there have been 65,000 deaths by automobile accidents. One out of 10 of those involved a distracted driver. I came across a list of what is it that is distracting us when we're driving our automobiles well 62 percent of us are just daydreaming we're thinking more about what we're going to have for lunch or what we're doing at work or problems at home and we're not paying attention to the road number two is our cell phones that's that's pretty predictable you know we're texting or we're trying to play games or we're trying to google something or or whatever uh that's 12%. 5%, you're distracted by the the person who uh, is in the car with you. As a parent, I can kind of understand that. I remember when my dad broke his wrist trying to swat at one of us from behind the car. 2% devices, that was the cause of my very first accident. You know, I was going to my very first college class, Philosophy 101, and I was driving down the the beachfront, and it had been raining for the first time in several months, and the oil was really slick, and I had one of those CD Walkmans. Little kids, you don't know what those are, but we used to have little Walkmans, and in my car, I didn't even have a CD player, I had a tape deck, and so I had to have one of those funky looking things that would look like a tape, but it had a little wire come out of it and it would plug into the Walkman. And, and so, you know, I'm sitting there driving down the beach doing, I want it that way. <laughs> Except it kept skipping over and over. And I'm looking down trying to get it to, to work right. And by the time I look up, the light had gone from green to yellow. And I slam on the brakes and I slide from here all the way to the door and hit a pickup truck that had a metal bumper. Not a single dent on that stupid truck. (laughs) But my car was just smashed to pieces. But the one that stood out to me the most on this list is wreck spectating. 7%. 7% of the deaths are wreck spectating. You know what that means? In the last two years, 455 people have died watching somebody else's wreck. That'd be funny. For one, so tragic. Rather than focusing on their life and their safety and the safety of the people in their vehicle and where they're going and what their responsibility is, they're like this. And people die because of it. Because they're so focused on the problems of somebody else that they're not watching what their own car is doing. What is James telling us here about judgment? He's not telling us that there's not a standard. Very clearly, there is a standard, and that standard is the Word of God. He's not saying there's not a judge, because ultimately God is the judge, and He has judged us all. What He's saying is, is that the standard isn't you; it's not me. That ultimately, it's not about me comparing myself to everybody else around me because I'm not the standard. That ultimately, it's not about me deciding who is wrong and who is right and, and lifting myself up because isn't that what judgment's about? It's about the feeling that we're better than others because the things that we end up focusing on, those we end up judging most harshly are the ones who are guilty of the things that we're not personally guilty of. And ultimately, what is it that James is telling us? He's not saying that anything goes because we're all not perfect. What he's saying is, is that if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law. That if you're so focused on judging everyone else, that you're not focused on what you yourself are supposed to be doing. And that's when we can get ourselves into these spiritual wrecks when we're so focused on the faults of others that we don't see the spiritual wreck that's about to happen right in front of our face. And what James is telling us over and over again is that we need to take the spiritual mirror of our lives and rather than point it at someone else, take a deep, hard look. Because ultimately, the source of most of the problems that we experience in our life with others start within. That it's a problem of the heart. That ultimately, the reason why we're at odds with others is because we're not valuing their needs as much as our own. That we believe that everything else should revolve around us. That when we do make mistakes... We've got too much pride to admit that we were wrong or to even consider that perhaps we're wrong. And maybe not even wrong in our opinion, but maybe just even wrong in how we went about it. And rather than focusing on ourselves and dealing with our own problems, our focus is always on the problems of everyone else. And so no progress is made. This battle ends up becoming a stalemate because the other person is only focused on the problems that you have and you're only focused on the problems that the other person has and ultimately nothing ever gets resolved and no progress is ever made because our focus is all in the wrong place. That ultimately... The real battle is not with the person that we're having the conflict with. The real battle is with the sin nature that's in our own hearts. And so what is James telling us? He's saying that faith is a struggle between our old nature and our new spirit. And that ultimately, the one that's going to win is the one that you feed if there is no getting rid of the desires of the flesh in our heart, the question is which one is stronger? Which one are we focusing on? Which one are we feeding? Are we feeding the Holy Spirit and bringing out the fruit of the Spirit in our lives? Or are we giving our hearts over to the desires of the flesh? This morning, during our time of invitation, this is an opportunity for us to do some self-reflection. Perhaps we need to come to the Lord and say, you know what? I have been, to a certain extent, been living my life around me. And God, I need your forgiveness. I realize that This battle that I'm waging is is not one that I can win because sometimes I feel like these desires in my flesh are stronger than my will is to resist them. But I know that through the power of the Holy Spirit, I can experience victory in my life. And the truth is, is that there's going to be some days where you're discouraged because you find yourself falling and failing again. But James is telling you to have courage, to get up, to continue the fight, to ask the Holy Spirit to do a work in you and to allow him to do that work that you can't do in yourself. So as we transition to this time of invitation, I want to encourage you to respond as the Holy Spirit leads. Let's stand and pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you this morning, and God, I pray that each one of us would take a a deep look down within our hearts, Lord, all of us struggle with selfishness, pride, judgmentalism, God, we know that your spirit is more powerful than our sin nature if we give you control, if we're continually filled with your presence. So God, I pray that each one of us would come to a place where we would be humble enough to receive a word from you, to be shown the changes that we need to make in our life, and that every day, our focus when we wake up in the morning and we look ourselves in that mirror as we're getting ready to go. Lord, I pray that each one of us would be committed to being focused, to being filled with your spirit and the power of your fruit in our life. Lord, help us respond. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I'm just going to ask everybody to bow their heads, to close their eyes. I'm going to ask Miss Clue to play one more verse. And if the Holy Spirit's tugging on your heart to make a decision just, or just to come and to pray, this is your opportunity. Seat, Linda. Linda Winkle. It's Winkle, right? Weichel. Weichel. <laughs> Linda Weichel mm-hmm. is coming this morning to unite with our family and membership. You know, I'm, I'm really excited about what the Lord has been doing. Consistently over the last several months, people have been coming and saying, This is where the Lord's calling me to serve. This is my church family, and I'm so excited to have Miss Linda coming this morning. Uh, Quite a few decades ago, she made her profession of faith uh, and baptism. Uh, Her home church is no longer active, and so she's coming on statement of faith. Uh, But she's coming this morning saying, this is where the Lord's planted me. This is my church family, and if you're willing to accept her, to receive her, to welcome her into our congregation. Would you please let her know with a hearty, amen. 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 So, Ms. Linda, if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you to stand over here so people can greet you on the way out. And uh, we're going to close with a word of prayer and be dismissed. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you once again this time of, of celebration for the, the work that you are doing in the individual lives of those in our community and the the life of our church lord we we pray that you would use us in a great way to reach our community with the love and the gospel of christ lord help each of us to have a spirit of humility as we look to you for leadership for guidance. And ultimately, we pray that as we are faithful to serve, that you will bless. And we pray these in Christ's name, amen.